Sometimes I don't know how to stop. I just don't want to let myself stop. When I think it's me against like that physical challenge, I just don't know how to say no, really. I just lost it. I was like crying to, to the phone saying, I'm not enjoying myself. What's the point of running up and down the roads? And there is like zero real point of running up and down the roads still. Like, like during the Monora and during these big challenges, I feel I'm closer to God. Like I feel like I've like for some reason given me a gift to be able to suffer. Welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast. It's great to have you with us. We've got a great interview for you lined up today. Donnie Campbell ultra marathon runner mountaineer uh, he sat down with ian lancaster ian lancaster one of the team members here at christians in sports uh, to chat about his career to chat about his faith to chat about some of the crazy challenges he's undertaken and what it looks like to suffer well uh, what it looks like to persevere when every single part of your body is screaming for you to give up it's a great interview uh, let's dive in right now enjoy uh, donnie campbell You are very welcome uh, to the podcast. You've had the intro from Johnny Reed, so you don't need me to garble on about that. But it is my pleasure to welcome um, Donny Campbell, good friend. He's an endurance mountain athlete and uh, running coach. Uh, look, Donny's based in the Highlands. He's record holder for a complete round of all 288, uh, sorry, 282. You'll correct me on that one, Donny. Scottish Munros in a self-propelled style. So run and walk pretty fast, uh, cycle, kayak. He's broken the record by over a week, completing in 31 days, 23 hours. So here's Donnie, main sport, ultra mountain running, uh, run races all over the world and won races all over the world, represented Team GB at the World Trail Running Championships. You've run across the Namib Desert in nine days. Um, Look, you're in the Scottish Highlands. It's perfect training ground for running. And when you're not running, you're helping others, you're coaching others to achieve uh, their goals in ultra running uh, and uh, other kinds of running. Um, Donny, you sound like a pretty busy man. And I know I was trying to get hold of you yesterday uh, and you messaged me saying, no, not today. I'll, I'll contact you tomorrow morning. And I found out exactly why you couldn't message me. So let's start there. The weekend just gone. Just tell us uh, what you were up to. Uh, cool. So we'll jump back. So obviously still in COVID lockdown. Um, I was looking for something at the start of the year to kind of motivate me in training. So I decided to like run the Cape Raft Trail, which is a long distance trail from Fort William to Cape Raft. It's about 200 plus miles. Reason being, I've always wanted to go to Cape Raft. And then, yeah, during training, I picked up a running injury. So limited my running. So on, on the hoof, about four weeks ago, I decided that I'd cycle a different trail that started in Glasgow to Cape Raft. So I'm still achieving my objective of going visiting Cape Raft um, on that. So I was planning to start that at the weekend, which I did on Saturday night at half past eight. And uh, yeah, I made it six kilometers into my cycle on Saturday night and I had a bike failure. So that ruled that one out. And then 
Yeah, managed to get my bike fixed on Sunday morning and I decided there was another trail that started in Glasgow and finished at my home in Inverness. And it just made logical sense that I would just cycle home along what's an off-road bike trail called the Badger's Divide. What logical sense? It, it, well, I guess there's a, a teeny amount of people that would think that's logical sense, don't it? But carry on, sorry. Well, it's logical sense. I always wanted to do it and I was in the, the situation where I was in Glasgow, I had my bike and... Um, but what I forgot at the time was actually the weather was turning really bad. And the reason I started my cycle to Cape Raft on the Saturday evening was to avoid the worst weather. So, yeah, I regretted that decision after like four hours of torrential raining being miserable. But I made it back to uh, Inverness at 8 a.m. on Monday morning after cycling through the night in torrential rain. And yet, uh, Lanx text messaged me, uh, and I was a bit like, yeah, I'll get onto that tomorrow. <laughs> My brain wasn't fully functional again by that point. Brilliant. Um, look, Donny, already, uh, look, a couple of minutes in, and people will be thinking on the podcast, we've just got a nutter uh, here. And, and on one hand, they'd be right. Uh, on the other hand, of course, you're a very sensible, well thought through kind of guy. Take it back to the beginning for us. Have you always had this kind of inclination for adventure uh, and and kind of being a nutter and trying to go for it? Or, or you know, take us right back to school, if you would, Donnie, where you grew up and what it was like at school. Were you always for the outdoors and adventure? Cool. So I grew up in Isle of Skye, so obviously west coast of Scotland, very remote. Um... <laughs> And yeah, so I was, I was always competitive. So basically growing up, I, I was into sports. I played football and shinty. Uh, shinty was my first sport. And for those people who don't know what shinty is, it's a bit like Irish hurling. Just Google it. There's loads of YouTube videos of shinty. So I played that to quite a high level during school. Uh, made it up to under 17 Scotland level. And then I joined the Marines from school. Uh, so yeah, I've always had that kind of competitive drive. I always liked adventure. Um, I always liked kind of like doing, going for a big bike ride as a kid or, you know, going into the hills and doing doing some hill climbing, obviously the coolings on the back doorstep. So yeah, I've always been into the outdoors uh, and always kind of want to do well at the things I want to do well at and have that kind of motivation and competitive drive to train for it. Yeah, really good. You mentioned there um, just all the outdoors and growing up in the coolings, getting up into the mountains and bike rides. It, was it that 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 made you think seriously about then going into the Marines, just kind of pushing yourself and testing yourself to the to the very core of who you are? Help us understand that that decision making around potential career uh, of going going for the Marines. <laughs> if I'm honest, it was probably the path of least resistance. So how I fell into the Marines is I remember at school I went to the careers advisor and I went, okay, I want to go, I either want to go and study sports coaching and development because I was always sporty, mm-hmm. or join the Marines and like challenge yourself that way, travel the world and see the world. And she's like give me loads of information on university. And she said the closest careers office in Inverness and Sky was Inverness, so it's about two and a half hour drive. So like go through, see them. So I went through completely naive, thought I was getting information. And said, oh, you're here, you might as well do a written test. So I did a written test. And then they're like, do you want to go in as a Marine or as an officer? This is how clueless I was at 17. I was like, what's the difference? <laughs> Basically said, the officer, you have to do more studying and you'll have to finish school. And I was like, you're actually telling me I don't have to finish school and I could just join the Marines. And that's how it kind of happened. I just, path of least resistance, I just kind of did that, did the potential Royal Marines course, passed that. And then off to the Marines down in Limpston for 30 weeks training. So, yeah, I was, 
I did want that adventure. I did want to just challenge myself and see how far I can physically push myself and also that kind of adventure lifestyle. Uh, and I suppose that was the path of least resistance to that kind of lifestyle was joining the Marines uh, to a certain extent. Um, I thought about joining the Marines, Donny, and then, uh, then I woke up. And then I realised it was just a, a, a just a dream. Uh, great, Donnie, we're going to talk about uh, ultra running in a moment. But let's talk a little bit about then your Christian faith and how it weaves together. Um, let's go right back to the beginning of how it started, family back in Sky. Cool. So we'll rewind back to growing up on Sky. So I grew up uh, in a Church of Scotland family. My dad was an elder in the Church of Scotland. It was quite conservative, so like there was no TV on a Sunday. Mm. I'd be in Sky at the time. No shops were open on a Sunday. I remember if you wanted to go and buy the Sunday papers in Sky, you'd have to drive to Portree, which was like 16 miles away. And the news agent wasn't even open on a Sunday. They sold it in a cafe. You know, that's kind of how it was. You wouldn't hang your washing up on a Sunday. And obviously, there's some places in the west of Scotland you still probably would get frowned on if you hang your washing up on a Sunday. So that's kind of my background. Mm. And at the time, like being younger and being into Shinty and that and and kind of believed it, I kind of knew there was a God or there was something bigger. But for me, it's probably quite a common story is I didn't want to live in his terms, not realizing actually, you know, it's better that way to a certain extent. I was like, I want to do it my way. I want to go and have fun. You know, I thought it's something for when I'm older, you know, I'll come back to when I'm older. I want to go and party and do what my friends are doing and you know just live a lifestyle that's not following Jesus really um on that so yeah it was that kind of got put in the back burner when I left the Marines kind of knew about it but didn't go to church didn't do anything um and same at uni I wasn't a Christian at uni it wasn't until after university when I got into running that I ended up falling back into church lifestyle so Basically, left the Marines, went to uni to study sports coaching and development, and I partied a wee bit too much at uni, drank too much beer, ate too much food, put a bit of weight on. And it was when I was at home, I was working, just laboring in between a summer at uni, and one of my mates was like, oh, why don't you come and do this race on Isle Endura? It was like a 150-mile race over five days. And this is how I got into ultra running. Mm. And I was like, this sounds like great. This sounds like why I joined the Marines. It's that kind of adventure lifestyle. It's like five days of racing over like remote West Coast <laughs> Island uh, on Isla Endura. And it was kind of that motivation that I needed to get fit to play shinty to a competitive standard. That was what I was wanting to do at the time was actually try and get make like Scotland squad and get, get to that level. But um, so basically before that race, I was like, oh, okay, this is quite a big thing. It was actually bigger than any of my stuff I've done in the Marines. Uh, I thought... You know, a bit of superstition, went to church. I was in Glasgow at the time, so I went to the Tron Church in Glasgow. Um, and then I did the race, finished fourth, and that was my first, that was probably my first running race, real running race. I finished fourth in that. And then, yeah, kind of them early years, that would have been 2009. You know, I, w- I wouldn't say I was going to church every Sunday straight away from that, but it was kind of more, I was getting more regular. It might have been once a month or once before a race or that then it was getting more and more and more regular and then yeah I remember a point like must be nowhere say a couple of months or even a month I remember that um I'm going through Genesis at the corner and I remember we're going through Abram's story and it just really spoke to me and I can't say on a specific day 
that's when I was definitely converted. That was definitely when I was born again. But, you know, for me, I was like more, I, I wanted to make sure before I told people. So I was like, I thought I was a Christian, but I didn't want to say I was a Christian until I was 100% sure. And it wasn't just like a phase or something like that. So that's kind of how I end up uh, finding my way back to church, finding Jesus again, finding my faith. And it was, yeah, it's kind of interlinked with my running. So, yeah. Fascinating. Um, really great always to hear anyone's story on how they became a Christian. But for you, kind of the, the deep link between Christian faith and your desire and ability to run kind of so interlinked. Tell us a little bit more about those first years when you worked out, actually, you not just got a passion for ultra running, um, but you were actually quite good at it as well. Um, like coming forth when you'd not done anything really in a, in a major ultra running race, uh, then it sounds pretty good. Tell us about those, those early, early years and just finding your feet. And then when it dawned on you that actually this is something that you could do as a, as a vocation, as a, as a profession. Talk, talk us through that, Donald. Cool. So obviously, first of all, it wasn't overly competitive. To just made that clear. I wasn't like a superstar straight away, or I'm not even a superstar, but you know, I finished fourth in a race. It wasn't overly competitive. Like I did a few races after that. And I was probably like maybe top 30 or something like that. Yeah, um, but, but, hold on, just for the record. It, I mean, it's not like, when you say it's not really competitive, I mean, it's not like me on the uh, the start line, just you know, just happy to be there with a rucksack full of food and going for it. it, it don't do yourself a deception. It, it was probably a lot more com- competitive than that, right? Uh, yeah, it was a small field, like, because it was such a unique kind of multi-stage race, it was a oh. low-key race. Um, obviously, I went and did, so basically did that. I think the following year, I did, like, the Highland Fling, which is a race from... Mulgai to Tindrum on the first part of the West Island Way. Mm. That's probably one of the biggest participation ultras in the UK. And I think the first year I did that, I would have been maybe, I would have to check, probably around about 30th overall. But if I can give you a comparison from that to, so I think my time then was maybe around about 10 hours. Mm. To then maybe, I think it was about three or four years later, I went and broke the course record and ran it in under seven hours. So you can see from progression from when I got into running long distance, I wasn't just like really good straight away. I, you know, I learned stuff. Like I look back now and realize what I did at the start was just some of the stuff was just ridiculous. I'd never do that again. Wait, go um, on, give, give us one or two things because I'd like to learn from you on this one. Okay, so nutrition-wise, like okay. having Nutella and toast. It's like you, you, you're an athlete and you're stuffing your face with Nutella. Um, it sounds quite nice. <laughs> sometimes you know, everything in moderation, even moderation. But uh, so obviously nutrition, like I've adapted my nutrition over the years. That's one thing. Obviously, when you're looking at training from a scientific point of view, it's not just actually the training sessions you do. It's your nutrition, your recovery, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Other stuff that I've done differently, you know, types of training that I've done and stuff like that, more specifically running up and down hills. Um, and again, training is just building blocks. So the longer you do it, generally, if you stay injury-free, you just keep progressing every year. Obviously, you get to a point that the progressions get smaller and smaller as you reach your like closer to your like, full potential. Of course, as part of what you do, Donny, it's not, and I guess COVID has highlighted this, where um, we'll talk about your your Monroe challenge uh, in a little while, but, but it's not about you just kind of challenging yourself 
uh, and going for it and trying to knock off some fastest known times. Uh, there's a, a competition element, of course, in this. Uh, yeah, usually you'd be uh, races around the world competing uh, on the the ultra running circuit. Um, what is just tell us what that looks like. What would a usual year for you look like? I know usual is a, a weird term now, but go back a couple of years, rewind. What would a usual year look like for you as a competitor uh, in the elite world of ultra running? Cool. So I would probably in a in a usual year um, maybe do three big races a year, target three A races, so maybe one in the spring, one middle of the summer, one autumn. Um, if you look at true elites, obviously if you look at the marathon and elite Kenyans or elite um, East Africans, they will at maximum do two marathons a year because it takes that much time for them to recover. So obviously if you want to perform your best in each race, and that's kind of what I would like the races to perform my best, then doing any more than three, for me, I feel I don't recover in between and I can't do the training for the next race. So obviously I might do what I class as a B races, which is a, a race that, I'm, I don't really care about. I'm using it as preparation for my big race on that. So generally, but you get other athletes that can do like five, six races a year um, on that. But I just kind of want to focus on free race. I think that's a, a good balance for me. And then I can get 100% in each of them races um, on that. But yeah, sports science wise, if you know, if you know, if you're on a hundred miler, you take a good month at least to recover from it if it's your first 100 mile you might take six months to recover from it so yeah in sports science then actually you can't really keep performing at a high level and doing long distance racing you know consecutive months you're just going to end up burnt out so you've got to think about longevity as well and training okay donny you're on the um start line uh, of uh, of a of a big race you've worked hard you know four months of training um help us help us understand what you do how do you prepare on the morning of or evening of or whenever the race starts and and uh, what's how do you get your perspective right and especially as a christian what's going through your mind in that time of course there's the physical preparation which we know is really important but in terms of mentally and and then would say you know spiritually you know whole mind body and spirit working together how us understand what that looks like on the leading up to a start line of a big race when you put so much time and energy into getting to this point that's a hard question so obviously yeah it depends like some of my races might start at midnight 4 a.m 6 5 p.m in the evening i've done all these start times so nutrition wise try and have something like three or four hours before or a couple hours before that kind of stuff rest going into the race uh leading into the race um you're going to be nervous like before an event or before something if you care about something and want to do well at something you're going to get nervous but nerves is a good sign it shows that you care obviously too much nerves then you can bottle it but you know generally a bit of nerves if you can control the nerves means that you're going to perform well so accepting that um coming on to the start line specifically obviously you've got loads of thoughts running through your head how is your body going to feel how am i going to perform all the kind of sports science, but then also kind of, I like just give thanks to God for just making it to the start line, which is the biggest challenge anyway. And just asking so I can go out and enjoy the day really and just enjoy his creation to a certain extent. And and, and look, we're in the race and uh, I mean, you'll know, you'll be able to picture where you were at different times with that, the, the, the mental ability to overcome a situation 
where you just you, everything's screaming stop finish you just call it a day it just just gives us an insight into what goes on for you how you have perhaps managed your, your mind how you've trained your mind how you, how mentally you were in the middle of, of of that race that tough race how do you do that and then how does does, does faith ever speak into that moment of kind of utter despair when you want to throw into the, the towel in as well? It Help us understand that, Donny. So probably the easiest way of understanding that is I'm quite stubborn to a certain extent. It must be like, even the weekend here is the most recent example. So cycling from Glasgow to Inverness along the Badger's Divide in torrential rain for 16 hours. I was so cold, so wet, so miserable. And like... I could easily chuck the towel in at any point because my wife, Rachel, was supporting me. So I'd cycled 100k to kill it and it was pouring down. And in the back of my mind was, I want to stop. I might as well just stop. Like, it's not a race. I've told no one I'm doing it. I've done it on the hoof. Like, there's no reason why I need to push myself through this misery. (laughs) Absolutely. Zilch, I could have just jumped in the car and drove home. And I was like, and Kellen, I was like, okay, well, I'll put some dry clothes on, I'll put a bit more clothes on, and I'll see how I feel. And then I was like, next time I was going to see my wife, Rachel, was after like another 120Ks on the bike through some very remote parts of Scotland. Um, I'm like, I was really miserable and cold and wet. And I was like, at one point where I was on a remote road near like Kinloch Rannoch, if anyone knows Scotland, I was like, mm, could I phone Rachel, my wife, to tell her, come and pick me up here and I can just cycle towards her, you know, I'm absolutely, it's, night's coming in, it's cold, it's dark, and you know, like, it's pointless, I'm doing something just for me, like, there's no race, no competing to this, like, I wasn't even sure what the FKT was, I'm just doing it as a challenge, and like, yeah, I just kept going, I just, sometimes I don't know how to stop, I just don't want to let myself stop, like, some, some way I'm wired is like, yeah, I, I'll just keep going. Like, I got to uh, where I met her again near Loch Lagan. It dried up for a couple of hours, so that was fine, warmed up, and then cycled again. And by the point it started raining again, I was like, well, I'm that close. I'm like another 70K from home. I might as well just keep cycling, even though I was cold, wet, miserable, and tired. You know, yeah, that's kind of the thing. I, I don't think, obviously my faith comes into it, but I don't think I rationalize it in that kind of way, in that situation, in some of the moments, it's more, uh, I'll, I'll just keep going. I'll just kind of problem solve. I'll just keep working through it. Hopefully it might get better. Hopefully it might dry up. Um, but there's races that I've stopped. Like So, you know, in a race, it might be different. So sometimes I've DNF'd in a race, which means do not finish because the race wasn't going to plan as the way I was wanting to plan. So, nutrition was off or was feeling nauseous or wasn't performing the way I thought I'd perform, uh, I might pull out for the pure reason is I don't want to jeopardize the rest of my season. And that's more of a calculated kind of athlete judgment on that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I couldn't finish the race. I know I could physically finish that race if I wanted to. So it wasn't a physical challenge. It's more performance wise and I wasn't performing to my best ability. So for me, it was like, well, if I, if I stop running now, I'll recover quicker and get back into training. So for the next race, I can potentially perform better rather than have finishing the race, not have a performance you wanted, and then taking longer to recover and longer to get back into proper training for the next race coming up. So there's different reasons on that. But when I think it's me against like that physical challenge, I just don't know how to say no, really. Donnie, as you're in the race, 
do you pray? Uh, sometimes. So I'll, I'll tell you, so this is how my faith's kind of evolved. Like, I remember when I started running and I was an early Christian, like, I remember I would try and barter with Jesus and God. Like, I was like, okay, if I do well in this race, I'll be a better Christian. And that, that's, looking back, that's just stupid. Now, but I think some athletes have been there and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, if I finish in the top 10, you know, I'll go to church more. I'll, I'll, I'll try and evangelize more or something like that. But yeah, it doesn't work like that. Um, so that's that quite, that quite a few years ago when I was fairly new, you know, kind of um, growing in my faith. Um, now, it's hard to say, oh, like during the menorah and during these big challenges, I feel I'm closer to God. Like, I feel like I've, like, for some reason he's given me a gift to be able to suffer and <laughs> to a certain extent enjoy the suffering. But again, you know, it's his ability that makes me able to run up and down hills and cover the menorah. So it's kind of that thing, you know, I think one of the, one of the questions I get, you know, is do you ever get lonely when you're running up and down hills or on the menorah? It's like, well, not really because I enjoy my own company. And then obviously I know I'm never really alone uh, on that. So, yeah, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, I kind of consciously pray, but I know kind of subconsciously I probably am. That makes any sense. It does. It does. No, I like that. And uh, it's great to see that kind of journey you've gone on because you, you know, even now we're playing competitive sport. You barter with God, don't you? Oh, Lord, if we just win this one, promise to be like X, Y, and Z in, in this week to follow. And we know that it's nothing to do with that. We know it's all by grace that um, we're his, that we've got the gift and ability, but but also we're, we've we got a relationship with him through Jesus. So you, you grow and understand that more, don't you? Uh, it's yeah. just great to hear hear that from you. Um, Donnie, let's go to that mad challenge this uh, this summer uh, summer of 2020 uh, that you did the munro round every scottish munro so 282 mountains so that's a munro's over 3000 feet right 914 meters in scotland you did it in 31 days 23 hours um look what i mean you're pretty much on the move non-stop all the time take us back to the beginning um what gave you this mad idea to do such a challenge? Uh, laziness, probably. So, uh, <laughs> so obviously, growing up in Scotland, I've always wanted to climb all the Monroes in Scotland. And like some of them are really remote and boggy and very uninspiring, like rounded tops. And I like my mountains more jagged, more technical, more rocky, right underfoot. So I would just keep doing the favorite ones or do like the really iconic ones and like some of the ones. I had no real motivation to go and do because they weren't great for training because they were really boggy and wet underfoot. So you can't really run them. They're really remote. So yeah, number of reasons. So I thought, why don't I just do them all in one go and get them over and done with to a certain extent? And I had that in my mind for quite a few years. And the more I researched it, I looked at like the first Monroe round and how it's developed and how people have tackled it. So obviously there's some people that have like... Um, climbed all Monroe's driven in between there's some people have ran them all and ran in between and then there's some people that have um, ran them and then cycled or self-propelled in between and that's kind of like the last two records that were set during the Monroe round was Charlie Campbell mm. uh, who ran cycled and swam between Mull and the mainland and then the record that I broke was Stephen Pikes's record which was set in 2010 mm. and he had cycled in kayak so I was like okay well that seemed acceptable, acceptable, logical progress for doing a Monroe round. And 
obviously people ask why didn't you just run in between them it's like well it's a lot of running like up and down the side of the A9 and stuff and I'm not I don't find flat running that interesting I can do it but you know the bike was more efficient in covering that type of terrain so you could get to the hillier stuff so yeah that's how it came about and actually um it was in 2019 I, I'd committed so before even COVID came along mm. in the summer of 2019 when the world was still normal and no one had ever heard of COVID I was like okay I'm going to take a year off racing that's what it's going to take to train for it, complete it, and recover from it. So it's like I'm going to take a year of racing in 2020, and I am um, going to do this manure round self-propelled style. So that's how the planning came about. Wow. Okay. So um, last summer, uh, look for the record. I joined you for a Munro, right? Yeah. Um, me, me and my wife, uh, we're in the Cairngorms. We're on holiday up in Scotland, seeing family, uh, and uh, and busy texting you and I know you were busy and whenever you had a moment to text then you just wanted to sleep as well so I just tried to hook up with you you're very kind so we got to, to run with you no I know we didn't run we walked with you and you were desperate to run Donny um, and we did one Munro out of the 282 I remember sitting on top of uh, the Munro with my wife watching you run off into the distance to complete maybe 14 more on that day and we sat there for 20 minutes and thinking Oh my, we were just trying to get our heads around the achievement or the, the adventure, the challenge that it was. Um, it's mad, mad challenge. What, 1,422 kilometers, uh, you, you were running, walking, uh, essentially. Um, just give us a taste for, for those listening who can't even begin to picture what the Munros in Scotland look like, but... Give us a taste of that 30 days, that kind of that the highlights and the lowlights of, 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 of what it was. The whole month of August, wasn't it? So a typical day would involve me, alarm clock at 5am in the morning. I was staying in a motorhome, so my wife was my sport crew. So it was a team effort. Like without her, I'd be still stuck in the mall, which was the first one. No. So <laughs> again, a massive team effort. So um, basically my typical days would be like 5am alarm clock. Breakfast would be like three or four slices of toast with almond butter and blueberry jam. And then I was out the door for 6 a.m. running. Most days were around about averaging about 12 hours a day between running and cycling. Probably about 80% of it was like running up and down, climbing hills, limping, crawling, whatever it took to get to the top of the hill. Um, obviously, some days were longer and other days were shorter, just the way the monroes are spread out. So, for example, you wouldn't start a ridge and then come off it halfway through to go back up onto the ridge the second day because that's right. going to give you more distance, more elevation. So it's like doing it the most efficient way. And that went into the planning to find out, you know, how much could I do in one day and try and be efficient on doing the monroes. You're never covering more ground than you have to mm. on that. So an average, the other average would be about eight hours sleep a night. Um, so... The first few, the first week was fine to a certain extent, fairly new, mm. everything going well. Picked up an injury when I was running with you, uh, mm. so I was limping a fair bit, and that was well, really. Is that, cool. is that my fault? You no, no, that wasn't your fault. It was the day before. Um, well, okay. I was like, it started to come on, so that was like a tendinopathy of a tendon in the ankle, uh, on the right side, and that was actually excruciating. So once I had left you that day, it was probably one of the most painful descents I had off Ben Ann, which is in. The Eastern Karen Gorms, that was the last Monroe of that day. Like it was completely agony um, on that. And then kind of that from there on, it was kind of like managing that to a certain extent. And then I got into the central belt, so like around uh Tindram area, Ben Lomond. 
and that was when I knew I was going to get to Groundhog Day. So with these challenges, like when you're at the start, it's all fairly new. You're excited, you're motivated. When you're getting close to the end, you can see the end in sight. You're motivated because you know you're nearly done. Then you get the middle, which is probably mentally the challenge because you're so far from the start mm. and so far to the finish. And I knew that was going to be the toughest bit mentally because mm. it's like Groundhog Day. It's just like so many big days that you can't see the end. And I did have like a, a moment where I had a breakdown. So I was filming it for the BBC Adventure Show and the cameraman said to me at the time when he was giving me some cameras to record myself, he was like, one bit of advice what makes great TV is at your very lowest, at your very worst moment when you don't want to do anything, you don't want to take the camera out, just take the camera out and start speaking to it. <laughs> and that's what happened. So like on day 17, day 17 started off quite nice. Like I was on Ben Crook, which is a Monroe near Oban, really nice sunrise, beautiful. But by halfway through the day, um, my left ankle started getting sore. So basically I was managing my right ankle, which was right anterior tibial tendinopathy. And the same thing started going on my left, but it got really sore straight away on my left. So basically from having one good ankle, now I had two bad ankles. And all I could see was like the amount of pain I went through on my right side to try and get more bearable. All I could see was that like, another week of severe pain and I had big days coming up and I'd lost focus. It was just like big day after big day. There's no end in sight. Um, and I remember coming over to second last Monroe and like looking down thinking it'd just be a wee descent up to last Monroe and then back to the van and I could regroup and it was like a massive descent of descending like 500 meters and then back up. And I was lost. I was like crying to, to the phone saying, I'm not enjoying myself what's the point of running up and down my nose? And there is like zero real point of running up and down my nose still. Like it's fun, but there's no, no real point to it to a certain extent. So yeah, that was kind of like the lowest point. Um, and people ask, you know, how do you get through them low points and stuff? And it's not like there's one thing. So, you know, one thing that helped was that was routine. So my routine in August was alarm clock at 5 a.m., out the door running by six so that's what happened on day 18 but I got home well I got back to the van on day 17 and I, I, I said it on social media I said to my wife I was honestly like I'm not enjoying it I could just go home I've had enough mm. this that and but it was never like I was going to follow through by that point I was already I think three days up on the record so I literally stayed in that car park for three days rested recovered and carried on and still broke the record but it was just me being honest and just getting off my chest that I wasn't enjoying that point. But then day 18, it's like, okay, well, I'll just get up and go again. That was routine. Uh, on that, and then obviously after we've chatted about, you know, how do I get through these? Why don't I just stop? And I just find it hard. Like, I don't know when I'm wanting to push myself that physically hard. I don't know when to say, okay, enough's enough. I can't keep going. Uh, I just keep going. That, I mean, yeah, incredible. Donny, um, look, let's let's pull this round. Um, future for you um can you see competitions coming back are they on the horizon um and tell me what that looks like for you in the next year uh, it's hard to say like obviously there's races starting to uh come back um and this year at the start of the year i was really motivated to race but now i'm like a bit more like relaxed about it i'm like i don't know if i'll race this year and if there's races on i'm kind of i just enjoy being out in the hills or just being enjoying like being out in the uh, God's creation it's just really nice uh, love training um, on that um, yeah and I'm probably a bit more content now like because I've done so much racing wise and I've been so 
grateful um, that, you know, I've had these experiences, you know, I've been successful. I've always been unsuccessful as well. So, you know, um, yeah, I'm just actually at the point of my career where it's like, I'm just thankful for the experience I've had and stuff I've been able to achieve. And yeah. So mm. racing again. Yes. I would like to, uh, what, when will that happen? Maybe this year, maybe next year. We'll just have to wait and see. So as we know, you're on your own in that elite world of running uh, as a Christian, trying to represent the Lord Jesus, but enjoy every good gift that he gives you. Uh, and uh, as you said, I, I don't think I've heard that many times before. I think he's given me the gift to suffer well. Um, that's incredible, uh, Donny. And I don't think I'll hear it again um, from uh, many uh, athletes uh, and, and players uh, around the world. Um, Donny, look, it's been a joy to talk to you. We meet every month to read the Bible together. So uh, for me, we've just moved outside of the Bible and talked about life. And it's been super uh, insightful. Um, to hear and really encouraging to hear your story and how you connect your sport and faith together so thank you very much sir um hope you listening on the podcast have enjoyed this uh, as well uh, it's been a real pleasure donnie campbell thank you very much thank you ian thanks have a good day well there you go that was uh, donnie campbell chatting to ian lancaster uh, i hope you agree with me that was a fascinating listen uh, hopefully you've been enjoying the series so far. We've had interviews, we've had discussions around uh, referees, rules and respect last week. We've looked at what it looks like to feel pressure as an Olympian. And we've got some great interviews uh, lined up over the next few weeks. We're going to chat to uh, an Olympic chaplain. What's it like in the village, in the highs and lows of the Olympics? We're going to chat to uh, sports people uh, who feel pressure right at the highest level. Uh, we've got some coaches on as well over the next few weeks as well uh, about what it looks like to be a Christian who coaches what, 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 what's that all about so really interesting topics coming up uh, do subscribe do pass this on as well your friends you think might find it interesting pass it on whether they trust in Jesus yet or not uh, we hope these will be really interesting podcasts to listen to so hit subscribe uh, we'd love it if you could give us a rating as well on iTunes that really helps other people see it uh, hit a star rating give us a review we love to see your reviews as well Uh, that would be great but we'll see you again next friday Uh, every friday at the moment over the summer the podcast is out Uh, enjoy pass it on and have a great week